Cam Lynch here, Whitney Holtzman with the Energy Captains. Whitney, we have another guest uh, of yours that is very close to you. Y'all went to school together, nope. possibly, or you guys are, are Gator alum. Not even. Okay, so yeah, tell us the Drink story. Yeah, Should I'm I a, just introduce I'm him? A, yeah, I'm going to pass the ball to you. <laughs> okay. Go ahead and, and throw the alley-oop there. Um, so I always say that, um, you know, my favorite thing in life is collecting good people and taking them with me everywhere and also... Even more exciting for me than that is when the awesome people in my life that I think are just the superstars and I feel lucky that I get to know, get to meet each other. And that is how I feel about this moment. So Steve knows that I always talk about you. And and on the flip side, Steve is one of my favorite people ever. So we met, um, we were both interns at ESPN in the summer of 2009. And I think it's safe to say I was your favorite other intern, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, perfect. So basically they picked um, one person per school. So we didn't really have any double ups and they had just done the deal um, with the SEC network. And so they had one kid per every SEC school. So I was the representative from Florida. I learned a lot about Michigan State from Steve. And do you do this thing where you put up your hand and you talk about where you're from in Michigan? Yep, absolutely. So I'm from here. Wow, that's um, Antarctica. For those who can't see, Sorry. Steve is pointing to the very tip of his finger. Um, what, which finger yep. is that? Index. That's going to be. Uh, it's going to be pinky. Sorry if, if oh, you're doing it the right way. Yeah. So it's, it's the north. Uh, the northeast. So if your part, hand uh, is facing you, the palm of your hand is facing you. Steve is from the pinky, which I believe is in the North Pole. Is it? Is that correct? <laughs> <laughs> it's close to Canada. Wow. So what's the name of your town? Alpena. A L P E N A. Go Wildcats. Go Wildcat. So what was it like growing up in the North Pole? It was it was fun. You know, I mean, it's a small town in northeastern Michigan. Um, it's beautiful uh, most of the year, except for like nine months of the year during winter. Small portion. Um, right. Um, it, it's it's a small town there. Everybody knows each other. Um, and it, it's on it's on the it's on the great it's on a great lake for those that don't know. Um, we're on Lake Huron and so it's, uh, it was cool. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, and just had a small town feel and, um, I didn't, you know, I was kind of sheltered a little bit from the rest of the world. I mean, like growing up, I had to drive, you know, three and a half, four hours just to go school clothes shopping every year because we didn't have like, we didn't have like a, a, a mall where you, I mean, we had a mall, but <laughs> the Alpena mall is a spectacle. So we didn't have like, you know, Growing up, I you know went to go shop at American Eagle and Abercrombie and Fitch and you know all the things that I that I wore when I was a teenager. Um, but yeah, I had to drive you know three and a half four hours, and we would go one time a year before school started. What was the and, big town nearby where you drove to go to the mall? Um, I think we would usually drive to Flint, <laughs> which wow. is probably going to be funny to most people. Yeah, uh, hopefully Sag- you brought Saginaw, your own water. Flint area. Yeah, um, too soon. Sorry. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, that's uh, that was just kind of how it was, and that was just normal for me growing up. And so, um, is everyone know, we, around you at that point in time, like your childhood, Michigan State fan? How did you end up there? And you must have thought a college town with all those people was wild after you know your small town upbringing. Yeah, um, my dad raised me as a Michigan State fan. He he went there. He got his master's from there in social work, and he. Um, it's just what we, it's just what we watched. And, and when you're from Michigan, you're, you're one or the other. And it growing up for me, it was so much easier to be a Michigan fan for, for people who didn't have an affiliation or didn't have somebody that went to either one because Michigan was good. You know, they had the big brand in football 
And so um, I liked being a Michigan State fan because everybody else was just by default a Michigan fan because they were always good and they always dogged us and they always did all that stuff. So that's that's what made me want to go there um, as well. And so that's how that's kind of how my path went there. And it was it was definitely different. Um, but I liked I was pretty independent as a kid. You know, my parents were divorced when I was young, so I spent a lot of time on my own. Um, meaning like just independence. I, my, both my parents are still big parts of my lives and I, they both live in the same town. We just did the whole thing where I spent weekends here and some weeks there and kind of hopped back and forth. Um, luckily, you know, they get along great and everything's, you know, I'm really lucky in that respect. But, um, so moving and going out on my own, I was like, I was ready when I was, you know, when I was, when I graduated, I was ready to go and, and, get out of the small town and, and go live, you know, and go see what it was like. Well, a couple of things. Number one, my parents were divorced when I was younger too. So I get what you mean. Hey, you have to be able to be independent and make, make sure you do things that, um, that benefit your life in the future. Right. Cause you don't have a big bro or did you grow up with siblings at all? Uh, one brother, one older brother. Okay. Nice big bro. Okay. So you had a, you had a road dog and then number two, a go green as well. I have a best friend that went to Michigan state. His name is Andre Sims. So he played football there and I think he finished in 2015. I know Andre Sims. Oh, okay. I know the name. Yeah, I know the name. Absolutely. Oh, that's okay. We got some people in common. It's because when you're with Cam, his best friends are different from like, say my best friends. <laughs> that's, I mean, yeah, we're, I mean, we're athletes, right. you know? He's like, my best friend plays for the magic. I'm like, mine yeah. is bringing McDonald's over for lunch. And that's <laughs> right. the like, most I can expect. Important. She right. has some cool best friends, but, but no, yeah, he, so we went to high school together. I won a state championship at, at, in Georgia, Brookwood. At, at Brookwood high school, where you're at now. I know you're in Georgia right now about to go to a bulldog. Yeah. What's, are you, so are you shooting for a bulldog? Well, we were going to get or? there. Yeah, so first of all, Steve, we have you want to, me to get there now. Yeah, and I was gonna say, <laughs> wait, yeah, Cam with a segue. She's but like, wait a minute. <laughs> we we have to say thank you so much because you literally scheduled your flight this week around being able to be on our podcast, which like you should really have a trophy on the wall. That is the biggest honor and the nicest thing that anyone could do. And just want to acknowledge you for that and let you know how much we appreciate it because that's extraordinary. Wow. No. Seriously, no big deal. Uh, thank you for having me on. This is awesome. I told you when you first came out with this, I, I remember texting you and being like, hey, um, when am I going to be on the podcast? Steve when, was do like our, get, when do I get a chance? Yeah, Steve was like our first <laughs> fan, and we'll cut to it now, and I eventually want to go back, but the irony is we've kind of switched worlds because you now work with the SEC where I went to school, and, you know, I mean, it was probably around the time that you were having dinner with Tim Tebow. He invited you to his house that I just about <laughs> passed out. It was right around then we were starting the podcast, too. So for Steve to say, you know, I'd love to be on the podcast, and he's there with all of my heroes, I was like, no, having you is the real honor you're you're the celebrity oh stop um <laughs> well thank you very much and it, it's uh i'm glad that we could make this work um i really didn't change around too much i took a little bit earlier of a flight than i normally would so don't give me too much credit no, but that's huge um, thank you well no problem so but yeah i uh it's funny that you bring that up because and i was thinking about this today you know i have uh, I work with Tim Tebow every week. Okay, which, just uh, died. No big deal. Literally just died. I think we know. I think we. I mean, you know, he's he's on the show, and I work on the show. We see each other, but he I invited how, you to his house. That did happen once. Um, <laughs> yeah, I see and, what you're saying. Though, like I had, a, I played with Todd Gurley, Aaron Donald, like Jameis. So I get it. It's like it's a part. Of, it's a part of what you do. <laughs> but it's yeah, a, right. So well, the, but the funny part is like that's her. You know, like. She just, that's her guy, you know, yeah. and, but my guy that I really like am all about is the guy that she worked with 
and Gary V. Gary so it's so funny. Yeah. We always have these conversations and we're just like, I'm just like, oh my gosh, like you worked Gary, like I couldn't wrap my head around it. <laughs> and then she's like, you went to Tim Tebow's house? And I'm like, yeah. It's uh, so true. We I both, guess. I don't know. I mean, the person who we're just close to is no big deal. And you know, our worlds that just kind of <laughs> happened organically is literally the other person's biggest hero. So we always talk right. about how we need like lightning to zap us and switch places or something along those lines. So right. what, it, so what is it like working with Tim Tebow? What, what's, what's the atmosphere like? Oh, it's great. I mean, everybody on our show is great. We've, we've, we're, I've been on this show since the beginning, which SEC is SEC nation. nation. Yep. Yep. Um, and so, uh, I really like to remind everybody on the show that hasn't been there for the entire time that I'm an OG <laughs> and I've been there and there's a handful of us and we, we have a little group of us that have been there since day one. So that's been cool. And that was actually the first year the SEC network launched as well. It was in, in at the, you know, the same year that SEC nation came about. So, um, now that we're six seasons, in, I mean, this is season six, which is crazy. Um, and you know, I become good friends with Marcus Spears. Um, you know, I'm not, Tim Tebow and I are not good friends. We are, uh, we are fellow, uh, we are coworkers. Um, uh, but we see each other. We know each other. It's, it's, we see each other at work. That's pretty much it. But, um, except when you're at dinner at his house. Well, I don't even know how I got on the invite list for that. <laughs> Cause you're um, best friends. But, uh, <laughs> but, um, no, he's a great, he's a great guy. It's fun working with those people. They're all professionals. Laura Rutledge is great. Um, and you know, we had Marty Smith on our show this year. He's incredible. Uh, Ryan McGee, like everybody that's in our, in our SEC network world in terms of on air personalities really are like just good people and they're fun to work with and they treat everybody with respect. They know everybody on the crew. Nobody feels like they have to walk on pins and needles around, you know, these people and they're, they're, you know, they're big, <laughs> they're really well known, you know, they're celebrities. So, um, it's cool. It's cool to have that. Cause you don't always get that in our, our line of work. And for me, it's like the biggest thrill because now, um, when the show comes to Gainesville, I often get to hop in the car and drive up and not only see Steve and the other interns that I worked with at ESPN who are tied to the show, but you know, they, I, I get to see inside of their world and up close and personal. It's like when I went to UF, that would have been such a dream come true. And you just never know the roundabout way that those types of things are going to come to fruition. But it's just, you know, Steve is literally living in my world, in my dream. And so it's fun for me to know him, to be able to go up there and kind of experience the show from a VIP perspective. Yeah, I, I, I love I loved it. You know, the, the times we've been to Gainesville, um, especially when you were able to come over and, and hang out and uh, and show me around your town a little bit. That was yeah. Fun. What do you you've obviously been to all the cities? So how does Gainesville compare to some of the other stops? Uh, it's great. I like Gainesville. Um, I like it. Be, I, I like when we go there late in the season because I know it's going to be warm. Um, and, you know, early in the season, everywhere is hot, but Gainesville is extra hot right? Uh, just because of the humidity. But um, I like Gainesville. I've got, you know, it's a beautiful campus. Um, I love the trees and all those things that they have going on there. Obviously, we always have a good show there. I mean, Laura and Tim both went to, to Florida, so uh, we always get a great turnout. And when you get a great turnout for a show like ours, it just makes everything more fun. Did you know um, that, that, the Cam, that the two main hosts – went to Florida. So mm. there's something about Gator Nation mm. where just, you know, obviously a special spot and it's producing some top talent. So my question to you, is it better than Michigan State? Is Florida better than Michigan State? The campus, the vibe there? No, <laughs> no go, man. There's, there's green, just huh? nothing like your alma mater, you know what I mean? Like there's just, it's, it, you know, when I go to all these places and I've been to every SEC school and honestly, I've literally like Michigan State's the only Big Ten school I've ever like been to. 
like I didn't go to the other schools and go to go to other games while I was there. I don't really know why. Thinking back, I mean, I've been to Ann Arbor, I guess, but I don't count that. <laughs> um, I try not to acknowledge that right. that city exists mostly, but um, you know, there's just something about the place that you went. Every time I go back to East Lansing, it's just you when you go on campus. It's the same way that you feel when you go back to Kingsville, and it's just like this is the greatest place on earth. You know, there's like no place better in your mind that, that no other school could ever be as good as yours when you go there and you have all these reasons why. And look, I love the South. I live in, I'm like, I was Northern by birth and Southern by choice. Like, I don't think I'm ever leaving. Like, I don't know if I'll ever leave Texas. I love the SEC. I love going to SEC schools. Um, I just like the South and it opened my eyes because if I now look at like, I would have totally gone to an SEC school. Like I had no idea, but now that I live down in the South, I'm like, oh yeah, I could totally go at, like to a lot of these schools. Like and, and Ole Miss, is... I would go to Ole Miss. <laughs> uh, like why? You know, like we go there. It just seems like such a fun place, man. Like there, the Grove and the tailgating and the stuff. Like when we go there, it's just they've got a really cool vibe there. Um, I'm trying to think of where else. Like I mean, I live in Texas. I would definitely be an Aggie. Um, my, my in-laws are Aggies. So, um, I like their vibe cause they're kind of like the Michigan state of Texas, right? Like they're the afterthought of the big brand of UT. So I kind of get in on that. I mean, they have a bunch of money, obviously like way, way more recruiting and resources than Michigan state does, but, um, underdog. they kind of give you that, that, yeah, they, they kind of give you that same vibe as, as Michigan state does. And so I'm glad that, that those are my in-laws are, are, uh, are, are Aggies. And I think that we can agree that you basically went to an SEC school up north and I went to one down south. So it's not really competition. We were basically at the same place. We were just raised in different areas of the country. That's right. Okay. So when I when we got to ESPN, so I had never heard of a steady cam before I met you and you were already well versed on it. So can you explain a little bit of you know what what a steady cam is, how you got into operating one, and then just your career path in general from college and how you got to ESPN? Yeah, I found out what one was when I was in when, when I was in college. When I was at Michigan State, I was studying communications, um, specifically TV, radio, and film. And I found out what one was. And it, um, in the easiest uh, way to explain it, it's a body-mounted camera stabilizer. Um, it's got a spring-loaded arm that you know allows you to walk and move the camera through space without it bouncing up and down. So it kind of takes your steps out. And then the whole apparatus itself is balanced on a on like a three-axis gimbal, which just means that it's it sits upright, faces forward. You can pan, tilt, and and move around with it. But it allows you to smoothly, you know, move the camera through space. So you can follow people. You can make moving shots that aren't like if it was on your shoulder. So, um, and there's a ton of other stuff now, you know, even that have come out in the last five years that are similar to it, but do it in a different way. So when I found out about it, I was just like, that's what I want to do. That seems really cool. What do I do? And how do like how do I do that for a living? And like, is that do people do that for a living, or is it just super niche? And so I just went down this rabbit hole and found out that you have to take a workshop. So I called up the company who does the workshops and said, "Will you come to a workshop at Michigan State?" And they're like, "Yeah, but we need like somebody from the university to sign off on it and you know give the space and sign the you know the paperwork and all the stuff." So. I reached out with people at Michigan State and got my boss in our department to agree to do it. And he said, as long as you can get the number of students necessary to do it, it was like $350 a student. Wow. Normally it costs like thousands of dollars to go take a steady cam workshop. So I was like, okay, but they do it for student discount. They'll come to you. So I set that up. So that's how I got my initial experience was through a workshop. 
And then after that, I was like, okay, well now what do I do? Um, and so I just started reaching out to people and I found a guy and this is how I ended up at ESPN for the internship. I found a guy on a Steadicam forum who was an ESPN Steadicam operator in Bristol. And I didn't know that that position existed. So I was like, my dream job exists and that's it. And so I reached out to him and I just said, you, how do I do what you did? You have to be the first person that viewed him as a hero, but he truly was your personal hero. I was just like, that's the coolest thing I could ever think of to do and get paid as a job. How do I do it? I took a workshop. Um, I'm super into this. Uh, you know, I'm willing to do any, any advice you can give me, you know, anything, an email, a response, whatever. And he hit me back up and was like, Hey, go apply for an internship here. And I was like, okay, I'll do that. And so what I didn't know was, um, that after I had applied, he had went to management and said, Hey, this kid has reached out to me. He seems ambitious, whatever. He's got some experience that, you know, is a little bit unique, you know, give him a look. And I think that kind of helped me get a, a little head start on the process. Um, that was nice. And, he went to bat for you. It became that. such an advocate. And I didn't, and I didn't ask, you know, I'd never asked that. I never said, Hey, can you help me and, and give me an in? I just said, if there's any advice that you can give me, I'm a hardworking guy and anything that you can give me, I, I'd appreciate. So, I mean, I've done that my whole life now. I mean, that's been something that whatever it is, whether it's in my, in work or in other things that I'm interested in, like I just, I go seek out people who have or have achieved what I desire to achieve. And I reach out to them and people are so receptive for the most part, if you're just a good person and you just reach out and say, and I always try to provide value in return if I can. Sometimes I don't have anything to provide in return, but I always try to so that I don't feel like I'm just, you know, asking and taking, I'm trying to give something back in return. So that's what got me the internship. That's what got me the job at ESPN um, after graduation because of the internship. It took a few months after I graduated for a position and all the things to work out. And then I moved to Bristol and worked there for one year and I quit. <laughs> now, now, now what? So, uh, that's what, that was the crazy part was like telling my dad, Hey, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to quit ESPN, like my dream job. And he was like, why? And I was just like, look, this just isn't for me. You know, I need to be an independent con Like I need to be self-employed. I need to be a, uh, a freelancer. Like just being here, just, it just wasn't, it wasn't a fit for me. And so I just decided to bet on myself. And I was like, you know what? I found another opportunity. I moved to New York um, and, and bought my own equipment. And then that is what brought me to the show that I was working on in New York, brought me to Dallas and then got me back into the sports world. And so that's kind of how I've ended up where I'm at now and used connection from ESPN and directors who I worked with at ESPN that have left to go on to the golf channel and other networks that, you know, now hire me and to go out and do other things that um, it's all just kind of come full circle. And so that's kind of how it's all ended up here to me being at the Chateau Alon in somewhere, Georgia, um, <laughs> waiting to go to Athens uh, to work on SEC Nation. It's just just what cool. you always dreamed of. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, you know, you your story hits on a couple important lessons. You know, I always say that you know, people say, where do you see yourself in five years or what's your dream job? And I think a, a job is often like a spouse. You can't predict it. You just have to know yourself well enough to know it when you see it. And you knew what you were passionate about. And then when that job came up, you knew that's what you wanted to do. You just hadn't been exposed to it before. And I think also it's important to pick a North Star and you have found that job and you had a dream and you went after it. And then every chapter you have to kind of reprioritize what's important to you at the time. And obviously you realize once you got to Bristol, there was 
more to a job than just the dream of it all. There was the practicality of where you had to live. And, um, you know, Bristol may not have been kind of your dream city of where you wanted to be, but you followed your heart and you said, okay, this isn't the place for me or where I want to be. And you took a risk and you know, quit and move to somewhere totally different, but then you ended up back in your dream job because you kind of followed your heart. Yeah. Yeah. It, it brought me back to, to doing the same thing, working for ESPN and now being a vendor to ESPN and those types of things, which uh, I never dreamed. I didn't even know that was a possibility, you know, not even that, like when I started my career, I didn't know that was a possibility. So um, yeah, it did. It, it all, it all worked out, but I just kind of kept following what I thought was the best, the best path and just, always bet on myself and, um, you know, just accepted that I was making those decisions and whatever happened, it was on me, good or bad. Um, and you know, I've had, obviously I failed a bunch of times at a bunch of different things along the way. Um, but I've always just, just known that, you know, when I took full, like 100% responsibility for everything, that's when I, I felt okay with every decision because I knew I wasn't there, nobody to blame, just go with it. And, if you fail, learn from whatever that was and then make the next move. And I, and I know, too, that you you said you're independent contractor. So you go on a lot of site site visits. Right. So whether it be ESPN or the Golf Channel. So for the people in front of the camera. Right. I, I have a chance to host a show called Daytime, co-host a show call, called Daytime. And I have camera operators that are behind the camera that come in and out. Um, what's the best thing for the people in front of the camera to do for the people behind the camera, the way to treat, the way to treat them, uh, the way to move about life. What, what do you suggest? What are some tips? Well, that's a great question. I, and, and very thoughtful of you as somebody who is, who is going to be in that position. Um, I mean, the best example for me is in, in, uh, you know, Marcus on our show does this really well. He just treats everybody I mean, he also understands and he tries to figure out what everybody does. So he'll go around and ask guys. Like if this guy standing behind a camera, obviously, you know, for the most part, you know, he's a camera guy, but he wants to know what everybody does on the show. Like he knows who the hardest working people are. He knows the people who come in. And on our show, it's, it's the people who set up all of our like staging and everything. Like they're the hardest working people that do the most laborious stuff. Um, and he knows that, like he knows that those are the people who, and he, and he respects it. So um, and he just says, what's up to everybody. And he, you know, he try to learn people's names and do those things. I mean, that's always, that's difficult. I'm just terrible with names in general. So, um, I don't ever blame somebody for not knowing my name, but just, um, saying hi, or if you recognize somebody that you saw in a past show, like that's one thing that I feel like sometimes feels disrespectful to people in our position. Like if I worked with somebody on this, on a show for a number of years, and then I saw them at a completely different event, I don't expect them to like drop over and be like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I seen you again. But just be like, Oh, Hey, it's you again. You no, know, like wreck it. Like, Hey, we, like we, we worked together that on you the matter. Same show for a number of years. And then like, I saw you somewhere else and you like act like I didn't exist. You know, I mean, those, those are the things I think that, you know, go a long way. And, and people on our show, you know, we, we definitely see the people who come in and, and, you know, high five people say, good job, fist bump. Hey, you know, thank you for doing what you do. Cause you know, we all thank each other for, for every, and everybody's got a part in making it work. Um, so that, that'd probably be the stuff that I think is the most important for us. And then after you kind of took this roundabout path, how did you end up back with ESPN in the show? Um, I was work, I, I, some friends that used to work at ESPN together, I left with a buddy of mine. So he really helped me out. Um, and we went to work on the same show together. It was unrelated to sports. It was, in, it was like political TV. Um, and so when then we started getting 
you know, jobs where somebody couldn't do a job and they'd say, Hey, do you want to go do it? And so like, that's kind of how it started referring out. Like I'd go fill in for some people. So that's kind of how I got back in. Now, how I got on SEC was I was doing the, uh, SB's red carpet show in LA one year, which was a really cool experience. And, um, I remember seeing one of the directors who I remembered from Bristol, like one of the higher up guys. And I saw him and I went in there and I just said, Hey, you know, I'm out here, I'm freelancing now. I've got my own stuff, like have steady cam, will travel. And he was like, um, I might have something for you. The SEC is about to launch a show and they need a steady cam operator. I'll put your name in the hat. And wow. I was like, okay. And that's how that came about, you know? So it was just one random conversation where you go up to somebody and just remind them or, or let them know. Cause maybe he didn't know at that point, hadn't seen him in a while and just let them know, Hey, um, like I'm here, I'm available for hire and, you know, looking for, looking for more work. And I think and you, so that was a big conversation. I think you can't underestimate your role in all of this, which is that not only are you proactive, but you also are thoughtful and you remember the people that you used to work with and you resurfaced the relationship for him and remembered him. And I'm sure that meant a lot. And that's, you know, a skill set. And then going up and, you know, giving it your all and shooting your shot. I think, you know, it, these things don't just happen. Like you've taken amazing measures because you're a special person to make these opportunities happen. Well, when you go into the freelance world, it's just like I had, you had, you realize really quick, like nobody's just going to track you down and give you work. You know, so it, it, nobody's just like knocking your door down being like, hey, you, you know, and, and so you have to like you have to be proactive. You've got to reach out. You've got to know the right people. You've got to ask around. Um, and then you've just got to be, you know, I've always tried to be a low maintenance um, vendor. Like I'm a, I'm considered a vendor with what they hire me to come do because it's a kind of a specialty position. So I'm not a core camera guy. They don't always have steady cams on every show. And so the biggest compliment I can get from the people who hire me or which are in operations is when they say, man, you just don't ever need anything. Like, I don't ever have to worry about you. You're like, you're just like, there's never any issues. Like, are you good? Do you need anything? I'm like, Nope, all my stuff's here. Everything's right. Like, and they're so for me, those, that's why I realized really quickly. That's super important to those people. Cause you make their lives so much easier. If you're a pain in their butt, then then they don't want to hire you again. So as soon as I realized that, I just knew that I had to take care of my own stuff and just be super self-sufficient as much as I could and not be, you know, over needy. And they just keep hiring you because you make their lives easier. And so once I realized that, I was like, oh, okay, just need to keep doing that. Yeah, and Steve, can you take us into a, a game day, like a SEC game day with with Tim Tebow, with everybody on on set, like take us into one of your days, your preparation, how you get ready for something like that. And I want to know how much a steady cam weighs. Um, a steady cam weighs uh, like the setup that I have probably weighs about forty five pounds. I like to say it's kind of like wearing a forty five pound weight vest. Um, so it's 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 pretty well designed to not be like you know super if it's set up right it's not supposed to really hurt your lower back or you're here and there but it tugs and pulls on you in different ways and everybody and i've done it for so long that my body's used to it so that's a little bit easier but it still is you still have 45 pounds of extra weight on you so my knees uh, you know my knees are uh, you know not used to that because i'm just it's like oh hey man all of a sudden you're 45 pounds heavier like what the heck and then you're running around and and you know so it's it's a little tough on the joints, but um, and you're in the heat of like, the summer in the hottest climate on top of the 45 pounds. Yeah, I lose a little bit of weight the first like half of the season. Sounds like um, we need to go into steady cam. Yeah, I mean, how, <laughs> like, how do you prepare for that? How what is it? What is that like? Do you lift? I mean, do you drink water? What's that day? What's the yeah, preparation I mean, you for the job? Be, you got to be you got to be smart about it. You can't you can't really you know you have to 
especially when it's hot like that, you've got to stay hydrated. You can't go out and have too many drinks the night before or anything like that. Um, even though we try to, you know, have a little bit of fun while we're on the road. Um, but it's, I try, I've been trying to stay in shape. I did CrossFit for a number of years. Um, and then, you know, that kind of faded out and now I've been trying to run more. Once I get into the, I, I started running before this season and it, it really, I could tell it really made a difference this year. And then once you get into the season, you're, you're doing it so much that it's, it's kind of an exercise in itself. Um, as far as like a, a game day show, you know, the unglamorous side of what I do, because everybody's like, Oh, you, you know, that's, that must be such a cool job. And it is like, it is a cool job, but, you know, for the past six years, every Saturday morning when everybody else is sleeping and then getting up and tailgating or getting ready and having people over and watching football, uh, you know, my alarm goes off at 4 a.m. or 3.30 a.m. and we're going to site because we have to be there so early. So, and then now, you know, I'm at a hotel that's 45 minutes away from, from site just because uh, we booked things so last second. We didn't know we were coming here. Like I didn't book this flight until a few days ago just because we didn't know where we were going. Um, because your so you show get, decides what is the best game in the SEC that week. Yeah, yeah, and there's only so many options, right? Like game day has a has a bigger choice; they can go anywhere. Whereas us, is we've only got you know SEC games to choose from. So you can look at the schedule at, at any given week of the year and go, okay, well, we know that these are the best handful of games. Sometimes if game day is going to go somewhere, we try to not go to the same place as them. Sometimes we match up, um, but uh, but we. Yeah, we get there super early in the morning, we prep, we get things ready, and then we start having TV hits like Paul Feinbaum, Tim Tebow, um, and Marcus are usually on other shows, but from our set. So they'll do hits like on SportsCenter, um, in college football shows, like other shows that are happening, like uh, Marcus was on other, I don't know, PTI or something last week. And so, like, we have to shoot that stuff. Not me specifically, I usually don't do that, but we're there in the morning to do those things. Um, and then we have uh, our shows from 9 to 11 Central or 10 to noon Eastern, depending on which time zone we're in. And, you know, it's it's just if there's a good crowd, everybody's having fun. Um, you know, they put on a pretty good show. We have an MC who comes out. We play music. Students are there. People are there. It's tailgating. It's fall. It's SEC. It's football. It's just fun, man. People are just having fun. People love to come out. They love seeing, you know, the talent. They love seeing Tebow. They love seeing – Marcus Spears, the big swagoo, and they like, you know, Paul Feinbaum, like, is insanely popular in the South. Um, you know, everybody's yelling, Paul, <laughs> you know, oh, it's Paul. just funny. Everywhere we go, they, you know, the Southern accent. Um, so, yeah, man, we do two hours of TV, and then we tear everything down and go home. <laughs> and as a Steadicam so. operator on the show, are you following the crowd? Are you following the people on set? Are you following Albert the Gator mascot? You know, what is your specific role? Yeah, so on Fridays, I'll go and shoot the stadiums and around campus. Um, so I'll shoot that stuff to tape and then give it to the, the folks in the truck, and they'll build stuff for the sh- for the Saturday show. So I'll go out and shoot those things um, uh, kind of out on my own. And then during the show day on Saturdays, um, I do a lot of stuff with the crowd. I do a lot of uh, things on our demo field where our talent go up there and stand up and interview people or talk about stuff. We do whiteboard segments up there. They do different types of fun segments with, you know, uh, the mannequins and the jerseys and what they're wearing and those different types of things. Sometimes I'll be up on set to do shots. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a energy flav- flavor cam, um, you know, 
fans, what's going on, and then I'll also shoot a lot of that, a lot of the stuff that happens on the demo field. And that's and that's B roll essentially, right? For the people who don't know what that is, it's B roll. And can you describe what B roll is? So you said you go out by yourself, you shoot the stuff. So what are you looking for when you shoot the stadium or like a restaurant or a campus? Those B roll clips. Yeah. So that stuff, yeah, exactly, is what we use it for on our show. A lot of times is for uh, billboards, which is uh, pays the bills. So those are like advertisements during our show. So that'd be like a part where it says, you know, SEC Nation brought to you by Regents Bank, and it would show a shot of the stadium, like me, uh, me walking down the sidelines with the steady cam, or I'll even take um, just regular tripod and shoot stuff up and up in the stands, showing this that just like the generic stadium shot. We put our our logo, our show logo, in the jumbotron, so we coordinate with the universities. And so I just shoot a lot of that stuff, and it's uh, really like a sense of place feel, right? Like, hey, we're here at Georgia. Here's the, here's a shot of the stadium. You know, our logo comes in and shows the matchup, and then that's just kind of a um, a scenic look at where we are. Before. And then you know, then they'll go to our you know, live shot at our set to show, hey, we're here wherever we're at, and that was you know the stadium where the game will take place. You know, later later today. Something that's, you know, probably not talked about so much, but I guess from my perspective I find interesting as kind of a woman in this field is that Laura, um, you know, who's one of the hosts on the show, just had a baby. And I thought it was really amazing just in general with ESPN and the show that, you know, she was pretty much there right up until a few weeks before she gave birth and then she came back pretty quickly after. But, you know, the show was really supportive of her being a mom while she was also, you know, able to maintain her role. Yeah, and I I think that was cool for everybody to see, and I I'm sure for her it was a little bit nerve wracking. Like this is her show, and I'm now she's got to be out because of this, and she I, I think everybody, um, you know, much higher up than me, uh, assured her that uh, hey, look, this is your show. Still, we're just gonna we're gonna have somebody fill in for you while you're gone, and as soon as you're ready to come back, the show's yours again. So I think they did a really good job of making her feel comfortable with that. And everybody, it's like a family. Um, you know, we, we spend so many weeks together during football season. We spend Thanksgiving together every year because we're on the road during Thanksgiving. Um, and, yeah, I think they did a really good job of that. And I think she did a really a really nice job of taking it in stride and understanding that it was going to be a little difficult. I mean, when she was out there, like, super pregnant doing TV, you know, and we were just, like, making sure she was okay and, like, hey, <laughs> like, help her up and down the steps on the stage and like, let's make sure that she's good and not and it's super hot out. Um, and yeah, she did a really, she's just, she's one of the good ones. She does not complain. She, you know, she didn't want to be treated any different, um, before or after. And she was like, this is just what I do. This is part of my gig. Um, yeah, she's one of the good ones. And you said that family oriented life. So what does Thanksgiving look like for you all this year? Um, I don't know where we're going to be. <laughs> so, you know, uh, I just spend it every year with, with my, I t- you know, people always ask me what I'm doing for Thanksgiving. And I just say every year I'm spending it with my TV family. So um, we usually get, you know, a catered meal somewhere. Um, depends where we are. I mean, one year, the director of the show, he's, he's uh, not our director anymore. This was uh, last year was his last season, um, but became good friends. And we were in uh, South Carolina and he lives nearby. So, he invited us over to his house and his wife cooked dinner for, for a few of us that uh, were kind of tight knit on the show. So, you know, you just, you take everybody in. Like he was lucky enough to be able to be home with his family on Thanksgiving and then invited a few of us over to the house to come be with him and his family so that we could, we could all hang out together and not feel like we were just, you know, eating hotel uh, bar food on Thanksgiving. Um, 
but we make the best of it. You know, um, we are like family, so it doesn't feel as bad as being like lonely and on the road. You know, you've got people to hang out with and people that you care about and people that you really truly see as more than just coworkers. Um, because you're out in this, in this industry. So, um, well, I'm sure we'll have a catered meal somewhere. I'm sure we'll all hang out. Um, we'll watch some football. We'll have a couple of drinks and uh, just be thankful. Be thankful that we're working. And I just had kind of a light bulb moment as you were talking because, you know, my own experience in this whole TV world and sports world is that people tend to want to go with the most cost effective route. And so that often means that, you know, you go to a city for a production and they're just hiring freelancers and, you know, those people have never met. Um, and it's kind of a one-off and your show is really different in that there's consistency. And so that allows people to build relationships, to work better together, but also to want to continue to stay on the show and to create longevity because you're not going to a new city every week with a bunch of strangers. And I think that's one intangible part of this business that people are looking at cost cutting and to save a few bucks, but it really makes a huge difference to invest in people who are going to be there week after week. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And there are certain, you know, most football packages have that, even like the game coverage crews, like they're all the same crew that does the, you know, the CBS 330 game and, you know, the ESPN noon games for, for these different types. And they all travel around together. And then our show, College Game Day, other types of shows like ours that, that do things for like an entire season of a sporting event. Um, it does make a difference because everybody knows each other. Everybody looks out for each other. Um, we have fun. It, it, it makes the product better. Um, and, and we've been doing this for so long now that, you know, we've got a really good core group of people that have been with the show for a long time. And, you know, now, now we can try new things and now we can get even more aggressive with what, what the uh, leaders of the show want to try and do because they have confidence that everybody all the way down knows what they're doing. And Steve, I know you mentioned your dream job, right? Of being a camera operator earlier. You're doing your dream job essentially with a great group. But when it comes to working with the show outside of SEC Network, outside of this SEC show, what other show could you see yourself like, man, like I could see myself doing that one day? You know, I, I started to do more golf. Um, I'm a huge golfer. Uh, I, I play a lot. It's it's one of my favorite sports to play. It's a, it's a really big hobby of mine. Um I think doing more uh, more in the golf world would probably would probably be something that would be pretty cool to me. Um, I got to go to the Masters for the first time this past year, um, which is like the Super Bowl for golfers, um, and it was just incredible. It's just a really it's a really hard event to get to, no matter what, if you're a fan or anything, just because it's like lottery based system. So just to get there and be on the grounds at Augusta National is just like really hard to, to do. Um, unless you know somebody who's, you know, knows somebody or you win the lottery, you know, and get to get to buy tickets. So um, I'd have to say golf, uh, you know, doing more majors, doing things, um, you know, maybe even Olympic type stuff where they're just the events are so much bigger than than um, or they don't happen every, you know, every year. Uh, like, such, you know, stuff like the Olympics, um, Ryder Cups, those types of things I think would be really cool. And I have some some connections in the golf world and I've started to do more. So I'm, I'm trying to continue to remind those people that, uh, that I'm, that I'm available. <laughs> and what is a, you know, a typical week look like for you because you're working on the weekends. And so what do the other days look like? And then does the travel ever wear on you or get exhausting or do you enjoy it? Because you're not exactly based out of, you know, major hub airports. You're usually have to connect somewhere to get to wherever you're going. Um, 
a normal week during football season, it's it's pretty straightforward. There's a couple of weeks where I'll double up and do uh, this show, and like um, I do one Monday night football game a year. I did that at the beginning of the season. I actually did two this year because I filled in for my buddy who was sick one week. Um, so those get a little tough because I would go, you know, travel on Thursday, work Friday, Saturday for SEC, travel Saturday to whatever city, which at the beginning of the year was Oakland. So then fly out to Oakland, um, work in Oakland. Um, well, I travel there Saturday, work Sunday, Monday, fly home Tuesday, be home Tuesday, Wednesday, then fly back out Thursday the following week for SEC. So that just makes it a, a tough, quick, you know, 48 hours at home. You know, it's like take take your clothes out of your out of your suitcase, put them in the washer, put them in the dryer, and then put them right back in your suitcase, um, that type of thing, and then just get right back on the road. Outside of that, you know, I do have a, a bit of free time because I'm home Saturday evenings. By the time I get home Saturday evening, I'm trying not to fall asleep on the couch at, at seven or eight o'clock at night because we were up so early um but then i have sunday monday tuesday wednesday at home where i get to and that's one of the biggest benefits of what i do for a living is i get to go do other things that interest me um and at the beginning of my career that was you know whatever you know golf whatever i wanted to do um and now it's it's other things outside of tv that i'm interested in um you know i'm, I'm interested in investing i'm interested in, in more fi- in financial education I'm a big Gary Vee guy, so I'm interested in sales and marketing. There's other stuff that I'm interested in outside of TV that, that sometimes correspond and sometimes don't. So that's kind of what I spend my time outside of TV um, doing. Um, and now we moved to the lake, so um, I'm just lucky. I got it so good out there, and um, you know, we just got a boat. We just put a boat in the water the other day, so now we're just enjoying. I can walk out my back door and go fishing. We can walk out our back door and hop on the boat and take our dogs, my wife and I. Um, and man, we just love it. So I feel like when I go home, I feel like I'm just on vacation. Uh, so I'm really lucky to have that. You have your dream job and then you're happy and all the other hours, which is the whole point of all the struggles to get to this point and kind of the dream for everyone. And as you were mentioning your wife, I was laughing because obviously she's so supportive, um, you know, for you to have the schedule. And, you know, uh, you know, she's just so amazing to, you know, be willing to say, okay, whatever you do, whatever hours, I'm good with it. But I was laughing because I remember the one video where she's outside mowing the lawn on the tractor thing and you're sitting inside videoing it. And, you know, not only is she supportive of your ventures and your schedule, but she, she's doing all the stuff at home too. She's insane. She's insane. I, I, I just try not to question it because I don't want it to, like, I don't want to wake up and be like, <laughs> oh man, um yeah she is that's just who she is she's she's um she loves to be outside she likes that like she won't let me mow like that's her that's her thing she lo- like her mom's the same way like it's her mower she loves the gra- like she would have went into turf grass management if she didn't do what she does and so um she used to mow lawns at a at a golf course growing up as a kid it was like a you know, like one of her first jobs so she just likes being outside she likes taking care of the yard she likes doing the stuff in the flower beds and her mom comes over and they they do all sorts of stuff. I don't know. I just try and stay out of it because I have no idea what's going on with it. And, um, you know, I've mowed the lawn a couple times. Um, but Hey, look, it's just what she likes to do. And so like I have buddies who make fun of me and then they realize, and then, then they get really jealous and they're like, yeah. Oh man, I wish my wife mowed the lawn. Yeah. <laughs> She's a landscaper. She's a landscaper essentially. And she like goes man, to home Depot. Yeah. yeah. I remember, I think it was Steve telling me the story. Like if a pickup truck pulls up, She's going to get out of the driver's seat and Steve is going to get out of the passenger seat. Yeah. She's like, Hey, you want to go to Home Depot? And then I hop in, 
get shotgun and then we go to Home Depot. Yeah. <laughs> he drives an F-150. And so, yeah, man, it's just, you know, and people try to make fun of me for it. You just can't because I just know that's who she is and I know who I am. And we're both totally like, that's just who we are. So like take it or leave it. And it's a little bit different um, than, you know, what people might expect. But uh, I love it. I think it's great. Yeah. Um, she she always wanted a truck and she she was like, I need to get a pickup truck. And I said, OK, get yeah. you a pickup truck. You're comfortable. She's a badass. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Oh, man, she's great. And I see you both have you have your golf shirt on right now. And I know you said just now that she used to mow the lawns at at um, some golf courses. So do you all good, you know, hit some links sometimes or you all hop on the golf course at all? I play. She she tried to get into it a little bit with me, um, and we we did ha- we do go to uh, the driving range here and there. She likes to go to Top Golf, so she'll do that because it's 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 much easier than doing like you know nine or eighteen holes out, out on the real course. Um, so that's about as much as we do golfing together. Um, she's gone out with me a couple times and just rode in the cart just to hang out and um, be my caddy. But uh, aside from that, not too much. Um, not too much. She's not super into the into the golf scene like me. I love that you guys are so comfortable in your own skin, but you also make such great teammates. What have you learned, you know, from your own relationship that's kind of a lesson? Like if, you know, there are people out there who, who might be in non-traditional roles in their relationship, you know, what are kind of the secrets to success or what advice would you pass along? You know, I think we're just really good at communicating. So um, it's 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 one of the things that I'm super thankful for. And we, we talk about it a lot and we're just, we just are super over communicate about everything and so um you know making sure one of the things i want to make sure that i do is i pull my weight because i don't want to you know if she's she works full time she's got a great job she helps provide for our for our family as well as much as i do if not more and then um she mows the lawn like she takes care of you know the landscaping she's building things all the time she's always doing house projects she does a lot of the stuff i mean all like i bought her a, a a um uh, a weed eater for like a gift one time like that's what she wanted oh, she's a landscaper. You know? and then like a miter saw and i'm like happy know, valentine's like, day <laughs> like the tools are hers you know like she's got a, a tool like a like a real deal tool you know toolbox and it's like that's that's all her stuff you know i like i, I don't, and so um i think yeah just just accepting like it's okay it's a, i mean more than ever i think we you know we're in a in a, in a society where things are different than they used to be there, you know, there's untraditional things that are happening and who cares? You know, I think you just got to do what works for you and this is what works for us. And, um, I just make sure that I'm pulling my weight so that, um, you know, we had to divide up duties. Um, but, uh, but it's all through communication. That's the big thing. Well, I love in both your personal life and your professional life, you've kind of tuned out what everyone else is doing and you've just followed your heart and done what is best for you and the schedule that's best for you and chased after chased after your dream jobs and in your relationship you've done what's best for you guys and that seems like it's led to ultimate happiness which a lot of people never even get close to yeah i mean it's uh, look there's we we you know we we still have everything you know we still struggle with everything that everybody else does and everybody else has got their own stuff to deal with um i am happy. I feel very lucky. Um, I still battle the same things that everybody else is battling and we still have our arguments and disagreements and and marriage is, is super difficult. Um, it's not just always the greatest thing, but, um, I just found somebody that we both are like totally all in. And so we know that no matter what, you know, um, we, we, 
we're both all in and we're, nobody's going anywhere. So it just, it makes the tough conversations and the tough moments um, easier to get through and easier to navigate. But, you know, just when you, when you think you've, you've had everything that you could have ever disagreed about, you, you know, you find something, <laughs> something else new. to disagree about. And you're like, Oh man, we didn't, we didn't think about that. Oh my gosh. Um, but I do, I feel very lucky. And I just, um, I've just always been that way my whole life for some reason, you know, like I, I didn't want to do what everybody else did. Um, and my mom tells me that all the time, you know, like there were just things that she was like, well, that's what everybody else does. And I'm like, I now try to find what everybody else is doing so that I can make sure that I maybe don't do that. Exactly. Well, Um, you know, I'm writing this book and it's coming out early 2020. It's called You Are the First You. And it's about that there's no precedent for you. But thank you. When I I kind of start off the book by saying that I might when someone would come over to our house, the first thing I would show them was our timeout chair, because that's where I spent most of my time. And my parents would say, like, you weren't a bad kid. You were always just pushing the limits. And I was like, you just misbranded that. It was called entrepreneurial and creating my own path. But it because it wasn't what everyone else was doing, you know, it was considered wrong. And I think it's really hard, especially early on, to march to the beat of your own drum. And, you know, I think it worries parents. Like, are you – it just seems like you're making mistakes to them, not creating your own path. Yeah, I think that – look, I'm not a parent and I and – from what I know, it's, it's probably the hardest thing, you know, job that you could ever have and thinking that you're doing the right thing or the wrong thing and you want to be doing the right thing. I just think that there's a lot of people getting bad advice. Um, a lot of times from their parents too, and, or just from traditional things that have happened, like go to school, get a job, put money in a 401k, work for 40 years and then retire. There is not an amount of money on the earth that you could pay me to do that. And that's just me. It's just not for me. So what I always tell people, because I talk to students at Michigan State every year, I have, a, I have a professor who Skypes me into his class every year and they get to ask questions and we get to, um, I get to share with what I do and kind of how my path was. And I can try and shed some light on what it, what it was like going to school, graduating and you know, trying to be an adult. Um, and uh, the thing that I try and tell, because they always ask like, what's, what should I do? You know, should I be a freelancer? Or should I be a staffer? You know, like, cause I've been both and I just tell them like, I can't tell you that. I don't know you. I don't know what suits you, but you have to try and realize and figure out what is going to fit for you and then go do that and just make sure you don't care what anybody else thinks about what you're doing. Um, and then just go do it because who cares at the end of the day? Cause if you bet on yourself, no matter what staffer, freelancer, pro athlete, writing books when you're in your thirties, um, you know, it doesn't matter. Just, just go do you and what everybody else thinks that the people who, who matter the most are going to be the ones cheering you on and supporting you. And that's all that's going to matter. And you will have people cheering you on and supporting you no matter what. Yeah. I, I think that stems from your, we first got on this call, really the first got started this interview. You were like, yeah, I'm from Michigan and it's in the middle of nowhere. We had to travel X amount of hours one time a year to go get clothes. Like number one, that's different, right? Not many, not many people go through those scenarios. So I think one thing, uh, a piece of advice that you could tell the kids, it's like, Hey, like things that, that define you, that things that you grew up on, like you did when it comes to shopping one time a year, like stick to those things, stick to being different, right? Because those things at the end of the day are going to find you later on in life. And it's defined your whole future. You are like, look, like, I understand everybody's doing this, but I want to become a camera operator. Nobody's doing this. You know what I mean? So you took a route that nobody really takes. And I think if everybody continues to be themselves and take the route that nobody else takes, 
they'll end up happy. So Yeah, and I mean, I think Cam's an example of that, too. He was undrafted, and then so far he's played four years in the NFL, and he broadcasts the Super Bowl. I mean, that was someone who, you know, he's someone who was underrated or, you know, um, you know, not seen as taking the traditional path, and yet he turned it into the most successful career path possible. And I would say for you, you know, as, as operating the camera and Cam being on the other side, like what do you love for athletes to do or what makes great video footage or, you know, from your perspective, what is the most awesome to be able to capture them doing? Uh, athletes or Yeah, athletes, like guys in football, yeah, both, yeah, people on TV and guys playing football. Um, well, doing a football game, first of all, like as a steady cam operator is crazy. The only one that's allowed on the field. So like I run the quarterback out, I'm out of the end zones for when they score touchdowns. Um, and so just being out there next to these, like y'all are just specimens. Like it's just insane. The, the, what it would take to get to that level. And that's why like the, the amount of respect that you have when you stand out there, like, look, I'm not a big guy, but when you stand out there and you're like, it's just unfathomable that, that human is can get to that point to be that size, to move that fast, to do the things that they do. Um, that is the thing that I, that kind of blows me away. Um, I just, and, and I like when they, I mean, I like when they, when they play to the camera, you know, I like when players, you know, that's, there's like nothing better than they score a touchdown. You run out there and they get it. Like they know that that's the camera that's going to be on TV and they look right at it or they do, you know, they do their celebration right to you. Um, and then for, you know, for just on air personalities in general, like on our show, like, people love Marcus Spears because he is himself and, and himself is this big, massive human being who's like a dominant force football player, NFL player, but he's just giant, goofy, funny. And he just has fun. Like when you watch him on TV, he just has fun. He plays to the camera. He gets hyped. He does things that maybe nobody taught him to do that. They're just like, Hey, go up there and be yourself. And you know, when they're talking about games, like, I don't know if you saw all this stuff after LSU beat Alabama, but he went on a tear, like on all the shows that he was on. Uh, like a he's week. A, obviously, he's a big LSU guy, yeah. And so, and he, you know, he was just like, he told us like that Saturday, he's like, dude, if LSU wins, just wait. Like all the shows that I'm on the next week, like I'm just going to go off, and <laughs> yeah. you know, in, in in a professional way. But um, but I think that those those are fun things for me um, when you see guys being, because TV is is pretty, you know, like structured like you got to frame it this way it's not artsy it's like films are and other things are right so when you can break out of that a little bit and, and add that flavor and personality of somebody like him and others who are on tv um i think that's what makes it fun and i think you know cam made a, a good point at one point uh, to me that you know just framed how i look at things but people who play sports think okay my job is to go out there and you know get points or, or do their role on the field but cam said more than anything we're entertainers and that really stuck with me because you know it, it that's what helps you build your brand that's what helps you have longevity is if you see yourself you know and the effect that you have on people and that's what you're able to capture from your perspective and so if more athletes could think of themselves in that light i think it would you know help them kind of when they see you on the field come to you and, and make the most of it yeah, well, and you know this better than anybody is that they they're brands. They, I mean, they need to think of themselves as brands, and I mean that's what you do, you know, for a living is you help athletes, you know, um, 
find their brand, build their brand, make sure people know their brand so that when they're done playing, because, you know, everybody knows the average lifespan of an NFL player is not very long. You know, like, what are you going to do next? And unless you're one of the guys who's, you know, lucky enough to get, you know, generational money in your contracts, um, like, you're going to need to do something afterwards, not only for your own sanity, but probably to make a living, you know? So it's, um, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's interesting to watch for me, uh, to see athletes because it's something that I could never like, you know, I, I don't know how to understand it. Cause I've never, <laughs> um, I played hockey and soccer growing up and I'm five foot eight. So, um, you know, I wasn't, wasn't making anywhere, you know, I wanted to be, I wanted to play for the Detroit Red Wings as a kid. Um, like that was my goal. And I thought like for a little while, like I thought it was a possibility um, because I was a kid. And then when I realized it wasn't, I was like, oh, okay, guess I got to, I guess I got to go do real life, you know, real life stuff. Um, or just not, you know, not that being an athlete isn't real life because it is for a lot of people. Um, but the more traditional, um, got to find yourself a career and got to find yourself, you know, we got to find a way to make, uh, to pay the bills at the end of the day. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm living it now, man, really just broadcasting, doing different things. You know, there's a point where I'm like, okay, I'm waiting for football, waiting for football. But now it's like, all right, I'm doing what I love to do. Um, football is there, but at this, at the moment, broadcasting is here. So I think for most athletes, there has to be a plan, a plan one, a plan one B, you know, you got to have to have those things ready. Think about the Alabama quarterback. He just, he just went down with a broken hip and a broken nose, you know? So that, I mean, a lot of money's off the table. Who knows if he can do the same things that he's been doing. So he has to have a plan B. Like hopefully right now he's plan he's working on that plan B. And I'm like super excited because I have faith and, you know, you just never know where life is going to go, where there's going to be one day in the future where Cam is broadcasting and Steve, you have your steady cam and we're going to look back and be like, remember when you guys met on that Energy Captains episode and look at where we are now. I, I have faith that there's somehow you guys are going to come together. What's going to happen? Absolutely. We can make it happen on our own. We don't need anybody else. Hey, that's true. You are an independent contractor. We can <laughs> we can do whatever. <laughs> Right. Well, my work here is done for sure. (laughs) Steve, I just had one final question. As you were talking a little bit about your career path, um, you know, we're big on real talk here and real life lessons. So you mentioned that you had a bunch of failures along the way. What were some of those failures? And most importantly, how did you get out of them to get back to this point? Um, that's a good question. I I mean, I failed a lot outside of TV because I've tried to do other things. You know, I've tried to start side businesses. I've tried to invest in some things. I've tried to do other stuff outside of TV. So I, I, I failed a lot of times at that. Um, it's not what, uh, you know, I'm good at. So maybe that's why I failed at it, but I keep trying. Um, you know, in TV, I don't know specifically. I think, I think, um, there's certain times where, you know, I had to make tough decisions about what to do when I left ESPN, you know, as a 20, I don't know, three year old kid or whatever it was, 22, I only been there for a year. Um, I mean, that was a big leap. Like I just moved to New York city. Um, you know, my poor wife had to follow me around everywhere. Like she moved from Michigan out to, you know, she, she turned down a job and took a different job to move out to Connecticut with me. And then 12 months later I quit and I moved to New York. And then six months after that, I moved to Dallas and, you know, luckily she was just like, okay, uh, I guess I'm going along for the ride. Um, you know, when it comes to TV, I, I just, I know I could, I, I could have done more. I could always have done more. There's years where I could have worked more. There's years where I could have, you know, grinded more to, to reach out to more people to try and get more jobs. Um, there's time, you know, there's years where you, you coast a little bit cause things are going good and, you know, you spend your off time 
just enjoying your off time. Um, so I think some of those things I've learned along the way. Um, and I think if financial education for me is something that I've tried to try to do and just in terms of how to manage my money, where to put my money, what to do with it so that I'm secure. Um, I wish I would have started learning about that a hundred years before I did, you know, um, or that we start teaching it better in school or when you're a kid. Um, I know it's not something that kids like to talk about just cause you know, as a kid, it's boring. Um, but it's, it's so crucial when you go out into the real world, you know, I mean, I couldn't look, I just didn't make enough money when I worked at ESPN either. I had all these student loan payments. Like I was running a deficit, you know, like I didn't make enough money to pay all my bills and it wasn't like I lived it. I wasn't outliving my means. I just didn't have enough means <laughs> to do what I needed to do. And so, you know, you had to make hard decisions about, about those things. So, um, I think learning about financial stuff sooner would have definitely helped get me farther along in that respect. Um, and to make better decisions because I don't, I don't make traditional decisions financially either, you know, like in terms of what everybody else is probably saying I should do. Um, but I haven't really listened to the masses in a while. So you're unconventional. <laughs> well, your advice has been so wise and totally life-changing. And I think you opened up a world that so many people want to be a part of in terms of chasing their own dreams, but they're afraid to do it. And you kind of pulling back the curtain will give them the confidence and also allow them to see that it's not a straight path. And if you get derailed, don't give up. That happens to everyone, but that it is possible to achieve it at the end. You're truly an inspiration to so many people. So people want to follow your journey or are interested in, you know, having you come on with your study cam and, and help them. How can people reach you and follow you? Um, I'm not huge on social media. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, but, um, I'm probably most active on, on Facebook just because that's where I started out. Um, and I mean, I, but I have people reach out to me all the time from schools, you know, people want to email me. Um, I'm happy to give up my email. Um, everybody's got my phone number anyway, cause I get so many junk phone calls nowadays that I could, I could probably give people that too. And it really wouldn't matter. Um, but I'm open to anybody. Like when people reach out to me, I love it because I reached out to people my whole career and they lent a hand and they helped me get to where I'm at. And people went out of their way to help me, like some of the examples I gave. So if, and when people reach out to me and they have, or, you know, friend of family, somebody, you know, says, Hey, I, I want to pair you up with this person. Um, I always try to go above and beyond to help, help those people and just try and pay it forward. Um, and just tell them to do the same thing when they get to their next level and somebody reaches out to them. So, um, if you want to reach me, you, you can feel free to, uh, follow me on social media, I guess. Um, I'm on Twitter, Steve Keller three. Um, aside from that, you know, you can email me, you can reach out to you. Um, I'm not sure how you guys normally do that, but I'm always open. Steve Keller three. And then your email is what is, do you feel like giving that out or you want to keep that low key? Yeah, I can. No, that's fine. Steve Keller three at gmail.com. Okay. Well, I think, you know, not only is your story inspirational, but you know, a lot of times when people make it, they're too busy to help other people. And you're just such a gift that you're open and willing to help, you know, anyone who needs it and you haven't forgotten where you came from. And I mean, even today, the fact that you worked your flight around being on our show, like I'm, we're so lucky to have you and you had so much wisdom to share. And although I wish you and you were in Gainesville, um, you know, still appreciative and excited that while you're in Georgia that you took the time to be with us. Oh, absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me. It was awesome. I enjoyed it. 
um, I hope we all get to chat more soon and hope, hopefully our paths cross sooner than later in, in person. Yeah, I was going to say, next time you're in Gainesville, Cam and I will both have to come up so that I can officially introduce you guys. Absolutely. Okay, all sounds right, good. Have fun this weekend in Athens. All right, guys. All right, take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye.